you can't keep a good CPI down, at least according to the latest fever that's running through, well, some parts of the mainstream commentary, which is transitory disinflation. So on top of soft landing fever, we also have this idea, somewhat related, that consumer price indexes that have come down because consumer price pressures have come down, even if consumer prices have not yet come down, this temper, this, this diminishing of consumer price pressures will in fact be temporary or transitory. That even though consumer prices have gotten better, it's for a variety of short run factors. And therefore what these people using the term believe are the underlying fundamentals will reassert themselves in short order. And mostly that involves supply factors, that constraints on supply, well, they're gonna to continue to plague our commodities and the economic system in a way that reignites CPIs over the months ahead. So we had, it was good while it lasted, but you can't keep a good CPI down, at least according to transitory disinflation. One of the key prices, the key factors, key commodities that those arguing for this theory are pointing to is gasoline. And why not? Gasoline prices over the last couple of years have been the very, the key part of quote unquote inflation, if not the supply shock. They are one of the key reasons why, the big reasons why CPIs had gone up and then come back down as they have. Gasoline and motor fuel prices are a huge part of the inflation, as it's known in the, in the mainstream, equation. And when you look at gasoline prices in the United States, and these are wholesale prices, not what you pay at the pump, but the wholesale prices in the futures market, what you saw was by early December, the wholesale gasoline price got down around $2.05 a gallon, which was still very high but certainly so much better than the peak way back in the early part of last year or the middle part of last year. But since December, as gasoline prices had gone down and CPI started to register lower consumer prices, but since December, gasoline prices have ticked back up again. So that by the almost to the second to last week in January, the wholesale price was up around 270. So from 205 to 270, you know what that means for CPIs? Well, the CPI in January is likely to come in a bit hotter than it had in previous months because there will be a motor fuel contribution for it. But does this 270 rising gasoline prices represent a reignition of all the bad stuff that had caused CPIs to accelerate last year? Or is there something else going on here? Because gasoline, CPIs, therefore rate hikes, therefore transitory disinflation, which will mean all sorts of different problems than if we followed along in the same path as before. In one sort of twist here, transitory disinflation is an argument against a soft landing because in its proponent's view, it will require even more unhealthy doses of Federal Reserve in, uh, interventions in the form of rate hikes, which will lead to the opposite of a soft landing and continue maybe on into something like the secular 1970s.
So what do we make of gasoline prices and what do we make of transitory disinflation? Well, rather than looking at the supply side, we should instead focus on the demand side, which is exactly what we're going to do in just a moment. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me as always. If you're interested, we have Eurodollar University memberships available at the Eurodollar University website where we have exclusive videos. I just did a Q&A today. Members send me questions. I try to answer them as best as I can. Anything that you're wondering about in terms of money, markets, finance, implications, Eurodollar University members have a chance to do that. We also have research subscriptions. A daily briefing I do in partnership with Markets Insider Pro, Steve Van Meter, Tracy Schuchart, and me all together in a single bundle. I also have a deep dive analysis where I go deep into these topics, like what is driving demand and what can we tell from various curves about what that says, both supply as well as demand and how that fits into our future expectations or expectations for the future. All the information available at Eurodollar University. The biggest thing with gasoline prices has actually been inventories. When you look at the government's, and this is the Energy Information Administration part of the Department of Energy, their data on uh, gasoline inventories, you can see why gasoline prices have been rising since December. Because gasoline stocks had fallen incredibly low. In fact, they were at record lows for this, this time of year. Well, not record lows, but lows that we haven't seen in a very, 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 very long time. Certainly out of line what we should see happening in December into January, which is rising inventories given the fact that Americans drive less during the winter for obvious reasons than they would in the summer. So the entire energy market complex begins to rebuild its inventories in late, uh, late autumn into the early part of the winter. But as you can see here, that, that hasn't been happening or it hadn't been happening up until more recently. And the reason it hadn't been happening is, of, as many people know, the very thing that's causing people to talk about a transitory disinflation, lack of supply. There's lack of supply of crude. There's lack of investment in refineries. Capacities are limited. There's all sorts of problems in, in individual refinery, uh, refinery facilities. Any number of things that have conspired to restrain supply. Therefore, as gasoline demand hadn't really changed much at all, lack of supply, you end up with less and less and less inventory. And if you're in the wholesale marketplace and you look at gasoline inventories that are harder and harder to come by, you're going to end up charging or getting, you're going to end up getting charged a premium, especially in the futures market, to secure future supplies of gasoline because there isn't any. And you don't know exactly if there will be any. So as gasoline inventories continued to fall, gasoline prices began to rebound. But gasoline prices have started to roll over and at least on a very short run basis, move back down lower again. In fact, the last check it was around 240 to a gallon, which is not, and not where we were in December and less but less than we were in January. And still that's, that's relatively high in the historical context. But gasoline inventories have been coming back up. They're still incredibly low, but as of the latest data that was released today by the EIA for last week, it showed a major 5 million barrel gain 
in domestic gasoline stocks, which is more than consistent with seasonality. So why are we able to finally get more gasoline? Because demand has fallen off. Demand for gasoline continues to be weak because of, in this case, manufacturing and transportation. People are driving less, a little bit, but businesses are driving less. They're delivering less goods and services. Manufacturers are using less energy because there's less for them to do. Lower demand, more gasoline inventory, prices start to come back down, which is exactly the scenario that had worried markets. This isn't transitory disinflation, nor is this the soft landing. This is high prices solving high prices through the destruction of demand. And that's exactly what we see here. Supply constraints have, co have confused the situation and made it more complicated because in a normal situation, assuming there isn't such a thing as a normal situation, supply would have been much better. and We would have seen these equalizations far more quickly and far more easily. We wouldn't see prices as react and, as, and be as bad as they are if supply wasn't a constant issue. So in that, in that respect, those arguing for transitory disinflation are correct to focus on supply because we are going to have supply issues for a prolonged period of time. But the markets have told us, you look at WTI futures, the markets have told us they flipped from focus on exclusively supply to now focusing exclusively on demand issue. Demand is mar far more the primary problem now than, even, than supply, even though supply continues to be a big thorn in our side. In fact, this is something I talked about with my good buddy Eric Townsend from Macro Voices in an interview that will be aired, I believe, tomorrow. So check that out if you're interested. I don't want to spoil it too much here, but we got into the WTI curve in Contango, and neither one of us could really believe that the WTI curve with this supply situation it should not be anywhere near contango, even though it's just a little bit of contango at the front end. That equates to a massive contango where uh, inventories and stocks are more normal. So the, the markets, by being in contango, the WTI curve being in contango, even just a little bit and just at the front end, is telling you that the focus has shifted to demand, which is exactly what we see going on in gasoline. And if demand continues to fall, which we look at gasoline demand has been incredibly weak for a long time, and now we're seeing overall petroleum demand, according to EIA's numbers, start to go down to the lower end of the historical range too. If demand continues to fall, we would expect price pressures eventually in gasoline oil overall, as Contango indicates in the WTI curve, to continue to diminish as well. But this isn't just about energy or CPIs. This is about demand in, in, in macro terms, not just in the US either, but more globally. We can look at other prices and indications. In this case, let's take a look at Baltic Dry, the Baltic Dry Index. The Baltic Dry Index is a key commodity component or key commodity indicator telling us about the demand for shipping dry bulk goods through some of the world's most most traffic, trafficked trade routes. Um, so key industrial commodities, a lot to do with industrial uh, capacity, industrial, industrial demand, because that's what we're really talking about. And yesterday, the Baltic Drive fell to a low of 600 on the index. 
That's the lowest since May and June of 2020. In fact, you go back to then, um, May of 2020, the real low was 393 in May of 2020. So we're not far off of the pandemic lows on the Baltic Dry Index. 600, you know, that's worse than at any point during the 2008-2009 so-called Great Recession. In fact, the lowest then was 663 on December 5th, 2008. The Baltic Dry Index is less than it had been at the worst point in 2008 and is already down to another point closer to the pandemic lows in 2020. What is going on here? Demand. Demand is falling off for these industrial commodities. Therefore, they're not booking as many ships and routes. Therefore, it's cheaper to move goods around. Not supply, not supply constraint, but lack of demand for this shipping, for what's being shipped on these ships. And that's really interesting in the context of soft landing fever too. Because remember, China reopening was supposed to lead to this massive rebound in demand, at least internally in China, which would lead to another, supposed to spark another construction boom. We should be seeing lots of raw materials loaded up on dry goods ships and heading at least somewhere in that vicinity, if not spilling over into other parts of the Asian and Pacific economies. We're not seeing this here. In fact, we're seeing the opposite, where ship-focused prices, and look at container rates too, have been falling and continuously falling, gotten to the point they're at such low levels, you have to ask, what is it that we're seeing in this part of the real economy marketplace where prices are so low and maybe even going lower? We get another answer to that this week over in the third part of our soft landing fever. Remember, soft landing fever was three real, three real things. China reopening is one, as I said. We also had the resilience of the U.S. economy as portrayed in the labor market statistics. And finally was... Europe was going to escape the energy crisis catastrophe, which many people took to believe it would avoid a recession entirely, German government in particular. But ever since the German government probably jumped the gun here in announcing their forecast of no recession in 2023, it has been one catastrophe after another in all of their economic data. I already talked about retail sales in Germany, which were way down, factory orders. Just yesterday, we got industrial production in Germany down 3.1% in December alone. Lower energy and utility production, sure, but there was also a huge drop in production of intermediate goods, these kinds of things. I think it was almost 7% month over month. Either way, another crash in Germany. On top of that, we've got export and imports. German imports fell 6.1% by euro, in euro value, by value. Can't wait to check out to see what that is in, in volume. 6.1% decline in German imports in December. That followed a 3.2% monthly decline in November. Also, German exports in December, particularly exports to the U.S. and China, its major customers, down huge. Total exports by euro, down 6.3% in December. Not just Germany. European retail sales were down 2% on a nominal basis just in December. In real terms, adjusting for prices, European retail sales were down 
2.7%. And they're way down compared to where they were earlier in the year. Demand. Demand is falling off regardless of supply constraints. So the idea of transitory disinflation depends upon prices coming back up, which they would have or might have if we weren't seeing demand go way down. As markets are positioning, and not just in WTI futures, but really fixed income markets around the world, the idea is that demand is going to continue to be the primary concern throughout the next intermediate term. And as the primary concern, regardless of those supply factors, we should expect prices will fluctuate in the short run, but by and large, they're going to continue to not improve, but come down because demand has fallen off. So we have lack of demand or focus on demand, which then leads to lower prices, but not for the good reasons of a soft landing, but because soft prices were solved by too much demand being destroyed, the damage already being done in all of these places around the world. That's kind of what we see. That's not kind of what we see. It's what we really see today. I'm Jeff. This is your Dollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, really huge thank you to your Dollar University subscribers, both Markets Insider Pro as well as the Deep Dive Analysis. And always huge thanks and love to, uh, to the support from the your Dollar University members. Really appreciate it. So until next time, take care.